You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos. I hate calling myself that. And underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon. He loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Here we go. Delirious Nomads, can you believe we've done over two dozen of these things already? Um, I cannot believe it. We've had so much fun, so many great guests. Um, Switching it up a little bit today. Usually we go with straight uh, personalities from the heavy metal world. Today, we are going to be talking to one of my best friends, who is a very up-and-coming DJ in the EDM world. Kind of his trajectory to the top is really taking off, but he's rooted in metal himself, Um, one of my best friends. His real name is Dimitri. We're going to call him Modern Machines. That's his musical project. Um, About to uh, do some exciting stuff. Uh, Dimitri, Modern Machines, whatever. How are you doing? You call me Dimitri. I think we we and uh, (laughs) uh, what's going on? Just uh, living life in Brooklyn. So Matt, Dimitri's one of my best friends, but you know, he's a really interesting guy because he's got, he's got a rock and metal background. He's a multi-instrumentalist. He's uh, sponsored by Fender Guitars. He was a touring bass and recording, but you recorded with Theo and the Skyscrapers too, right? Yeah. I, I, and I wrote uh, a couple of songs on the album as well. So I wrote and then I recorded all the bass. I think there was like maybe two songs that they wrote before I joined the band and I re-recorded those parts. So right. So, so I'm talking about Theo and the Skyscrapers, Theo Kogan, the, the uh, former lead singer uh, of Lunatics. And now, again, uh, Lunatics just released, a, dropped a book and they're, they're going to do some live shows. But uh, Lunatics were, uh, you know, super, super like cult classic all-female punk rock band. When that when that band disbanded, she started Theo and the Skyscrapers, um, the Skyscrapers being three extremely tall, talented musicians, including Sean Pierce from Opulence and the Toilet Boys and my good friend Dimitri here. Sean Pierce is like a giant. And uh, and also another person you left off was Joe Les used to play in Theo and the Skyscrapers, and he played in uh, Combi Christ, and I think, for a second in Ramstein and a couple wow. other bunch of metal projects that yeah, yeah, yeah. people have kind of part of and he's just like in the metal scene so, well it's funny because i loved i was such a huge fan of theo and sean that i i definitely saw you because i saw a bunch of theo on the skyscraper shows before i before i met you right. um, and behind me you can't see it and no one listening to this can see it obviously but i've got uh, you he gifted me a theo on the skyscrapers base which i have here that's really cool yeah it's from uh dean guitars 
And actually, it's still on the website. So if you ever, whoever's listening, go look, go to deanguitars.com, look up the on the skyscrapers, and you'll see what the, the bass looks like. Nice. But, in you know, you've transitioned, you know, we've got a lot to talk about. You transitioned um, several years ago to the EDM space. You're going to have to probably fill in the blanks here. But, you know, for anyone who's familiar with that world, you know, you've become a mainstay headlining DJ at, um, you know, hot nightclubs in New York, like Marquee, Hakkasan in Las Vegas, uh, the illustrious 11 in Miami, um, you know, headlining shows. You have 65,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. Your um, your track, Make Damn Sure Heads, has 4.6 million streams. How the fuck did you get there, man? And how old are you now? 36. You're young. Yeah, I mean, you've accomplished a lot and in, in wildly different genres. I just want to point out that that just, you just said 36 is a young and you're so old, Chris. Listen. You're a child, so I don't want to hear it from you. <laughs> but I just think that you've accomplished a lot in, in two wildly different genres, and I, that it's it's a very unique story. So I'm going to shut up and let you tell it. Okay. Yeah, sure. So I grew up listening to metal, hardcore, punk, even ska, anything to do with guitars or loud, loud music. What was your gateway band into like rock and metal and punk? Probably Metallica. I think that's everybody's kind of first you walk through the doors and you look around and the Metallica is the first band you see. Um, but then I got into a lot of like hardcore stuff. I would go to shows at CBGB's. So I was really into that. Then that kind of the whole like new metal slash like Ozfest thing happened, you know, the uh, Slipknot system of down that whole uh, a couple of years. Um, and now I'm back to, just uh, the original stuff that I used to listen to, like hardcore and a lot of metal still. I love Slipknot still to this day, one of my favorite bands. Um, Korn, um, At The Gates was also an early band that I fell in love with. Um, you know, all the, uh, like I was really into Fear Factory, that whole, you know, I saw a System of a Down play with them. I think they used to open for them. So. And then, you know, I started playing in bands. I used to play in hardcore bands. And when I joined Theo's band, we toured. We played with um, Rancid and Offspring and kind of all those bands that are in that punk rock genre. And then after that band, um, while we were on tour is when I actually discovered DJing and kind of the next part of my story was... Um, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's roll it back to before you get there. How old were you when you first started, when you first picked up an instrument? Oh, I was late. I think I was maybe uh, 16, 17 or something. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. I always wanted one. It's just that my family couldn't afford one. So I just kept waiting until, you know, I started saving up a little bit of my own money. And then I bought an Ibanez for $197. Uh, it was a green Ibanez. Uh, I forget the model name. I think RX something. Uh, I actually looked it up on eBay like a couple weeks ago. Uh, they don't make it anymore, but it's still on. E it's like still two hundred dollars <laughs> after all this time. So then, yeah, I picked that up and just started sitting down and learning uh, by myself. That's how it happened. And then, how did you meet Theo or Sean, or how did that how did that happen for Theo and the skyscrapers? So I was playing in like kind of uh, in like my band that I had, which was kind of like a emo, heavy emo, I guess I don't know what to call it. Like emo with screaming, I guess, which was a lot of a lot of people were doing that at the time. I guess this band that we used to play with, they're called Downpour. The guitar player from that band, I think, filled in 
with Theo for like two shows or something. And he was like, he's, he, I think, went on tour with Dry Kill Logic or somebody, which, you know, Cliff, yeah. He was like, they need a bass player and they need someone tall. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think I even owned the bass at that time. I didn't. And so I went and tried out. And the funniest story. So I, I, I like, I get to the rehearsal space and I take the elevator up and it, it like, it got stuck. So I get out of the, I get out of the elevator and I went into the staircase and you know, some staircases, the door closes and like, it doesn't, you can't open it from the other side. Yeah, yeah. And I go in and I'm trying to find my way upstairs. I never met these people and I, uh, <laughs> I get stuck. And my phone, like, you know, it was like those fucking like, uh, Nokia phones or whatever. Like, reception was shit. I have no reception. I can't text or call anybody. So I'm in the fucking space, fucking banging on the door. Someone let me, someone let me in. Someone let, let me out. Eventually, it, it, like, I think 15 minutes passed by. I'm late. And finally, I think they're like, they heard me because I was just, and I'm sweating. I'm drenched. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be stuck here for the rest of the night. So eventually they heard me uh, and then uh, I tried out and then I think like before I even got home, they like texted me or called me and asked if I wanted to, to, uh, it was like the same night. They're like, if you want to join the band, it's yours. Nice. Yeah. That was kind of my first thing into not just being in like a local band. That was my first kind of, you know, touring, recording an album. You know, I recorded demos with my my other bands, you know, my hardcore bands, but they were like, you know, shit. <laughs> yeah, so that's how it all happened. And then, yeah, so we 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 toured, and and this was before like, uh, like I think the internet kind of was was kind of blowing up, whatever MySpace, but it wasn't like the way it is now. There's no Instagram, there's no Twitter. So like, if you wanted to hear specific music, you would go and like hear like. If you were in Miami, you'd hear like Miami-based music, or if you were in like Pacific Northwest, you'd hear like techno or something. You know, West Coast had their own kind of music, so it wasn't as like like now. Every DJ plays like the same music everywhere. Like if you go to Miami, you would hear the same stuff the DJs are playing in New York, which wasn't always the case. So being on tour, I kind of got to experience like we were on tour for months, and I got to experience like so many different types of. You know, we go to like after parties and like me and, and the drummer and our and our lighting guy, Theo and Sean wouldn't go because they'd be like, they'd be like, we're done. After the show, they like go back to the hotel room. But like me and like, because we were the young ones and like, not that Theo and Sean were old, but like they're older and more experienced. And, you know, we were like on tour, like being degenerates. Right. So we go to like, like all these after parties and nightclubs and all kinds of stuff, get into shenanigans and so i would hear like so much different kind of music that i'd never heard before like my mind was just being blown every every town we'd roll into you know i'd hear all types of different music and like djs were spinning on like disc i think and like some were still using vinyl at the time so everyone had like exclusive shit where like you had to have the thing you know what i mean and so yeah like i got to experience all that and i was just so blown away with it and like when i got back to new york theo was was throwing her uh i think it was called rated x her party she used to throw a party in lower east side 
And, and I, I started going like weekly and the band, we weren't like touring. We'd still be like practicing and writing new stuff, but we weren't on tour. And I was like, I gotta like do something in a performance way. Like I, cause in the band, like you can't, I mean, you could, if you're a singer, I guess, but if you're a bass player, you can't just get up on stage and play like, you know, so I was like, I need to do something for myself that I don't need to rely on three other people to, to go and do. I don't need to get into a van or whatever. So I was like, I got, I, this is really cool. I really like, and I, my mind was still like fresh off tour, like so many different genres. And so I was like, I want to do this. This is cool. I want to do this. I had no idea that this would like be a thing or I wasn't going to be like, Oh, I'm going to be the next, whatever. It was just like, I want to do this. And I don't want to perform and I want to play all these cool records and like, just be in that world. You know what I mean? So I kind of did that. And then, then I started my own party and uh, this is how I got, this is how I got my first laptop was I emailed Andrew WK who's a huge metalhead and obviously a legend. I emailed him and I said, would you come DJ my party? And I'd never had anyone like, it was a bunch of my friends DJing my party. And he was like, yeah, I'll go. And he's like, I don't know if you ever met him, but he's super like enthusiastic yeah, and just kind of, yeah. yeah. So he was that same way on email, super like, yeah, I'll, I'll DJ your party. That was like the biggest thing in New York nightlife for like, because at that point he had been like, that that first album where Party Hard was on, like it kind of died down and he like hadn't been heard of. It was just like kind of like out of nowhere. Like nobody expected it, but he had this buzzing like fan base that was just waiting to hear from him. And that was his first appearance in like, I don't know. And so my party, we had a line that was like three or four blocks long. And it was crazy. It was like the next day I was like in the village voice and like all this shit. And so that's when I got my laptop and then I started being able to produce music because you get, you know, Ableton or uh, Logic. Because being in a band, you go and record into Pro Tools and you need like a studio. But like around that time, technology was really coming around where you could get a laptop and, and make your own beats or whatever it is. How different was the learning curve from learning how to play guitar and bass than, to, than learning how to DJ and produce music in that way? It's funny because sometimes when I talk to people that come from the metal or the rock world, they're like, oh, EDM isn't music. And I'm like, there are notes. Like, and like, good luck learning sound design and everything else. Because like when you're producing like electronic music, you're the guitar player, you're the bass player, the drummer, you're recording the vocal, you're the vocal engineer, you're doing all these things. I'm like, how is it not music? Like, you know what I mean? And I, I think uh, a lot of people get that misconception. They're like, Oh, you just press a button. I'm like, but I also sit here and create a whole fucking, you know, like it's the same thing. Like it's music and you know, it's just, it's just a different language that, that we're speaking, but we're still like, you know, yeah. So it, it, it was learning curve. I don't know. It was just something that I really like doing. I like tinkering with synth design, sound design and creating, you know, new synths and all kinds of stuff. So the only thing that I would say is different is like I said, with, with the band, you're, you, you know, you get together and you write these songs, you practice them and you go in and uh, record to like a, either a studio or somebody's whatever. 
And it's a little bit different because, you know, you record the drums first, then the guitar and bass, and then you double track everything, et cetera. And then the vocalist records last. And like with like electronic music, you can, um, somebody could send you a vocal and you can write a track around it. So there's no, and you also don't have to rely on other people to, to, to make it, to, to, to make the music. What are some of your, I mean, I know, you, I know you're a huge Skrillex fan, but like, what are some of your other influences in the EDM world? Well, what's funny is also like a lot of people don't realize how many people in the EDM world are, they have their roots in like metal and rock. Like Zed, for example, used to be in a metal band. He was the drummer. And he's one of the be- biggest, you know, EDM DJs. Steve Aoki used to throw hardcore shows in his college. Uh, he was the vocalist for a hardcore band. I forget their name, but they're pretty good. Uh, Calvin Harris used to have a band they used to play. A lot of the top guys in EDM actually come from our world. So it's kind of cool that uh, a lot of times I'll be able to either meet a new artist or just start talking to them. And, and then you're both like, oh, we both grew up listening to the Deftones or, you know, or System of a Down or whatever. And, and a lot of people in, in the electronic scene are either fans or used to be in rock bands or, and I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the, like people try to divide, like, I, I, it's just, I think it's just people being like gatekeeping, you know what I mean? Because the people that are real musicians, they know there's no difference. They know that a musician is a musician, no matter like if you're using synths or a guitar. And also if you're a musician, you know how difficult it is to just exist. So you would never hate another person. Like I might not like somebody's genre or style, but I respect any musician that's making music because it's extremely difficult. Yeah. So, you know, obviously I'm a huge metalhead, but I'm, constantly around edm music because of you know my company owns some of the biggest nightclubs in the world like omnia and yeah marquee and whatnot and uh you know when i'm in the when i'm in those rooms and there's thousands and thousands of people and you know there's a drop that happens and everyone just goes off all at the same time and the dj is flipping out like that's just as powerful to me as when a giant pit breaks out at a metal show if anyone listening is not familiar with Modern Machines, go to YouTube and watch this guy. He's a fucking maniac on stage. But what is that like? What is that? What's that feeling like when you when you connect with thousands of people at the same time and get them just freaking out? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's amazing. And actually, what's funny is uh, um, a lot of like the rock show things like mosh pits and Wall of Death, where people kind of separate the crowd. That's made its way over into the EDM scene because of People like me and Steve Aoki and whoever, because we come from, we're trying to bring that over and we want people to fucking rage. And, you know, uh, like the dubstep scene has headbangers where kids, they because the dubstep is basically yeah. the same as like breakdowns of, of metal bands. And these kids like headbang at the rail. They call them headbangers. It's like a, it's like a thing. And there's... I love bass nectar and I t- can totally see headbanging to some of his stuff. Yeah. It's different a little bit because, like I said, you when you're in a band, if you know the best part of your songs coming, you can look back at the drummer and go, oh, yeah, we're about to go off or whatever. Or you get in sync with your guitar player where you're both headbanging at the same time or something. There's definitely a, a I wouldn't say, maybe I would say bigger, because that release is coming just between you and the crowd. You're not sharing it with your singer. You're not sharing it with your other guitar player. It's just you and the crowd. And like... 
there's no separation. There's no distraction. So I would say it's, it's an intense release. It's very intense because like I said, there's just, you're right there. You see the crowd and you're like, it's you. And, and also I think the, you know, the drops in, um, in, 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 in electronic music, you know, people make edits. I make edits where you take one part of one song and then the, the buildup comes and then it drops into another song. When you're in a band, you're playing the song as it's recorded on the album. So everyone's expecting a certain part of the song to come in, a chorus or, or drop or a breakdown. Whereas in like electronic music, you can be doing a buildup and then it goes into a different drop and the whole crowd, I'll send you videos where the crowd just goes, oh shit, they just, it's unexpected. And I don't think you can replicate that in, in any other genre where it's, you just go, what just happened? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's so unexpected. Um, and so, I, and it's also cool because you could, you could create different edits of songs where, you know, I'll take a, a, a system of a down acapella and I'll put it over a dubstep beat and people will be like, what? Like, that's fucking sick. You know what I mean? I just think there's a lot more room for experimenting and surprising the crowd and catching them off guard. Whereas when I'm playing bands, I remember when we were on tour, we had the same set list every night. A lot of bands do. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying, like, that's just what it is. If you go to setlist.com, like, you could see nights and nights. Because that helps, as a band, that gets you really fucking tight. Night in, night out, you're playing the same set. By, like, one week on tour, you're a fucking machine. Like, you're, you're all locked in. But that could also get mundane after a while. You know what I mean? And, like, but with, like, DJing, you could switch songs on the spot. And you're a lot more just in, in tune with the crowd because you could, like, flip it on them in any given second. So I know you're appearing at EDC this year. Congratulations. Like the biggest um, EDM yeah. festival in the world, pretty much. What sets you apart or what's going to set you apart on that festival? Like I was saying before, I think a lot of acts, not a lot, but there's a bunch of acts that come from the rock background. But I really, really try to try to mix it up and bring it into my set. Whereas like maybe a DJ might have one song with like a Red Hot Chili Peppers acapella on top of it and i'm like i'll like put a fucking slipknot acapella over a, a, a bass house track you know what i mean so i really let it fly i really let people know that this is where i come from and this is the music that i love and i think like there's room for all of us to really enjoy i think now more than ever people are enjoying multiple genres there's a little bit less of like well fuck this genre fuck i like i listen to everything um, but you know, I, I really want people to know that, Hey, there's just, maybe if you're new to me and this is your first time seeing me, um, if you like EDM or if you like house music or dubstep or whatever, here's like some other stuff that might go with it that you might've never heard. Like here's, you know, a Slipknot song or, you know, something interesting. So in the middle of all this, you recently just got endorsed by Fender Guitars. How does that work? Yeah. So the way that happened is because a lot of people don't realize, but I do have guitar. They're just not the way you're used to hearing them. You know, they're not like the main like chugga chugga or like whatever it is you hear as like the lead riff. There are songs on mine that have like the verses. There's a guitar, you know, it's a little bit lower in the mix, but it is there. Um, I have songs where I have a, the drop 
is playing, there's a synth playing, and there's like a lead guitar playing a lead part, but I kind of mix it in with the synth so it doesn't sound like super guitar-y. Um, you know, like a good example is like Calvin Harris feels so close. That riff that sounds kind of like Sweet Child of Mine. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. Like I want people to, I'm not, I don't think I'll ever like make a song where it's like really just in your face, like a wall of sound of guitars, but I want guitar presence in the songs so that people still feel them. You know what I mean? And it's also, it gives it a little bit more of a, a you know, a groove where it's, because I'm so used to working with synths and sample drums, there's no real drum player in house music, that I want just a little bit, a touch of someone human playing something in there. Even if it's not in your face and it's not the main thing, it's still there. And whether you know it or not, you feel it, you know? So, and they, they were really excited because they were like, this is cool because it's not every... Um, you know, it's easy for them to go and sponsor somebody that looks and sounds like plays like John Mayer. There's a million of them on Instagram, but how many like DJs are like playing guitar on their Instagram or showing people this other world? Not many. So to them, this is like a niche thing, which is cool. And they're like, this is, we want to, we want to work with that because it's not generic. It's not like every, there's a lot of DJs that play guitar, but not necessarily doing it like you know i'll post stories of me playing songs and recording my own guitar takes so they were like this is really cool for us because it's like i said it's not just i love john mayer but there's guys on instagram or tiktok that are just constantly you know playing neon you know that's like a thing it's like they're almost a dime a dozen they're like you know there's nothing wrong with them but it's not you know or like you'll find the gent guy who's playing the h drink to do you know e all the way down and it's like, okay, but how are you like different than the next guy, you know? So I like, to me, I like adding guitar to my, and I write a lot of stuff on guitar before I even sit down on the computer. And they kind of realized that and they were like, we really like this. This is cool. This is different for us. Um, they sponsor maybe like two or three other DJs. So it's a very limited group that I'm in. And I'm very proud to, to have been chosen and to work with them. And they, keep up with me and check in on me and like, what are you, what are you writing? What are you working on? So really cool. That's great. Is that a cartoon sleeve? Yeah. So this is uh invader Zim. Okay. So it's all invader Zim. Okay. I was trying to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. All invader Zim. Yeah. It's kept its color. Whoever did that did a great job. Yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, his name is Gene coffee from tattoo culture. Nice. I'm not sure I've ever met anyone who likes invader Zim that much. That's pretty crazy. Like to get the full sleeve. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what Invaders I missed. I just really like uh, Jonah Vasquez's artwork. I like. I really like the style of the characters. I wouldn't say it's my favorite cartoon of all time. Or maybe it is. I've watched it a million times. But I just really like, and I think it was like ahead of its time. It was a little bit dark and just crazy for the time. So to me, I kind of gravitate towards darker things and things that are maybe inappropriate or whatever. So it kind of came from that, I think. Speaking of inappropriate, are you ever going to write a, uh, speaking of inappropriate, are you ever going to write a song called Shoeless Joe Jackson? <laughs> that is very inappropriate. It's funny because a lot of people will dismiss vocals in electronic tracks. Like I was in my group chat with a bunch of my friends. I released a song 
like six months ago. And he was like, dude, I didn't know you had words in there. I'm like, yeah, it actually means something. Like if you go listen to some of the songs, they're really like, some of them are like really dark, but people like kind of, kind of skip over that sometimes, which is fine. Like people want to hear the drop, but like, I do try to work with people that come from band background. I think I've talked to you about it. Actually. I was like, yo, can you get so-and-so on the email? Maybe I'd love to have him sing or her sing on. That's something that I always want to do is I want to, it's easier said than done. Like I was talking to the singer from Taking Back Sunday. I was like, dude, I'd love to have you on my track. He's like, when we get back on tour and, you know, it takes a lot of keeping up and everybody's busy and et cetera. But I do really, that's another thing. Like I said, like when you're saying what separates me, I really want to have, I was talking to Anthony Green from, Seosin and um, Circus Survive. And he was like, oh, I really like what you're doing here. Like, And also just kind of a little bit fizzled out. But I, I'm always looking for vocalists that are coming from a rock background like myself because I want that emotional that emotional delivery. Nothing against like EDM vocalists that specialize in that style. I love them too. But I want somebody to maybe like raise their voice a little bit, maybe have a little bit of a growl and have some kind of rock feel. I'd love to see you do something with um, Palumbo from Glassjaw. That's another guy that I, I, we were talking and we'd be texting and then like, we'd be like really heavy into it. Like, yeah, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. And then all of a sudden like silence. And I don't hear from him for like six months. And, but we've, I've tried, we've, I've gotten really close, but like I said, it's really hard because People are also just unsure if they want to make that jump. A lot of like, you know, rock vocalists would be like, man, do I really want to like, my fans might not understand it. But then I like, once I like point out, I'm like, look, Gerard Way from my camp did this and so-and-so did this and, you know, so-and-so recorded on, and they're like, oh yeah, I guess it does kind of make sense. I'm like, yeah, because it's still music. Like there's only so many like chords you can create. You know what I mean? Like, Still the same chords you'd be singing over in your track. It's just not as heavy. Unless you, fl- I actually, I was talking to Jesse from Killswitch too. I was like, let's do something. And we were, you know, and then they're like, oh, we just got a tour. I'll, I'll hit you up when we get back from tour. You know, it's, it, it gets a little bit difficult to, to, to lock that down, but I'm, I'm, it's something that I've always wanted to and am doing. I want to do more of because I want to work with rock vocalists. So if you're listening right now, and you can scream, but can also sing, more importantly, hit me up. And let's make some fucking rock EDM masterpiece. I don't know. So what do you have coming up that you want to be pushing? So I'll be in Vegas in a couple of weeks, which I'm really excited about. Uh, I have a track that I just signed to Ultra Music, which is like the biggest EDM label. They also throw a festival in Miami, uh, Ultra Music Festival. It's actually a drum and bass record. And it has guitar on it as a presence, uh, as, as the, in the forefront. It's actually recorded on this guitar. That's coming out in a couple of weeks. And that's a collaboration with Adventure Club, who are also a big dubstep duo. And they're also like heavy metal fans. Man, it's all, if you're, if you're, if you're a metalhead and you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know if I want to make the jump. We're, we're here with wide open arms. We're, we're you. All of us are here. We're all metalheads and we all love it. So come join us. Yeah, I would say go go to YouTube and look at some of your live videos because you have that energy of like a crazy, 
you have the same energy as, as, you know, a hardcore metal show, not as aggressive per se, but it's totally like the whole crowd is one like being just fucking going crazy at the same time. It's a really beautiful thing to see. You're, you're definitely one of the rowdier DJs out there. You saying me being rowdy on stage, that also comes from my experience and me going to see metal bands when I was younger, going to the CBGB shows, going to all the, you know, Roseland, whatever, Ozfest and all the metal shows that I used to go to. That comes from wanting to be like those guys because that's what I grew up on. I want to fucking break my neck on stage or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I love that. How great is it, by the way, to be back out playing after being on the shelf for a year and a half? Uh, it feels incredible. It feels honestly amazing. It feels good, especially like last couple of shows. We've been sold out at Lavo. It's uh, been amazing. Posted a couple of videos on my Instagram. People want to see, but crowd going nuts, man. It feels like a metal show in there. People just. Yeah, what is what is your Instagram for everybody? Uh, it's Modern Machines, one word. Super easy. Beautiful. Um, well, we're going to have to have you on again after you do EDC and, and keep building up because I want to. We have to talk about the Shoeless Joe Jackson story. We got to talk about our Guns and Roses um, night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Things that we did. Were, I wanted to get to today, but we try to keep these just strictly 35, 40 minutes. So we'll have to do a part two. And like I said, if you're listening, you're, you're a metal fan or singer, just hit me up, Modern Machines on Instagram. Just shoot me a message and let's, let's bring these worlds together, man, because music is music and we're all out there together. Beautiful. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. All right, brother. Matt, so nice to meet you. Thank you, Dimitri. All right, so that was awesome. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening to Delirious Nomads, sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more. And above all, keep it heavy. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.